The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority do you do these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question if you tell me the answer. Then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? Of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go work in the vineyard today. The son answered, I will not, but later changed his mind and went. The father said to the second, the same thing. And the son answered, I go, sir. But then he didn't go. Which of the two did the will of the father? Base said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the dominion of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God. Amen. I have a confession to make to you all. My mind is made up. Now, not only how I'm going to vote, but who is to blame for all the problems in this country? And what I think of people who vote differently than I do, my mind is made up. After all, I am overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the pandemic, overwhelmed by racial injustice, by the grand jury decision in Louisville, overwhelmed by the brokenness of the criminal justice system, by protests that don't bring about real change, and by a country torn apart by ideology. I'm overwhelmed by what is happening to our earth, by our inability to make changes for future generations, and by our mere short-sightedness. So I stand with the Israelites. I join the Israelites in the wilderness today, complaining, murmuring, lamenting, and grumbling. Is the Lord among us or not? If you're like me, it's easy to think that the divisiveness, the partisanship, the hatred, the bigotry, and sometimes the plain, stupid human behavior is a sign of our times rather than part of the human story, part of the human condition. The early Christians at Philippi 
shatter these illusions if we imagine them all standing in a circle and holding hands and saying, singing, they'll know we are Christians by our love. Rather, they also know struggle, they also know tension, they also know division. And they must have also dealt with power plays, like we're seeing today. How else could Paul exhort them to be of one mind, to put others in line ahead of you, to seek the common good rather than your own personal ambition? This last week, we grieved the death of surprise. You, you thought you knew where I was going. Lutheran pastor Robert Grace, who was the only white clergy person to support the Montgomery bus boycott in 1955. Because of his faith, he sought to change the minds of others. He called it a spiritual movement. In Montgomery, it was black Christians teaching white Christians how to be Christian, Great said. We also, many of us, deeply grieve the loss of R Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yesterday, I was in my car to H.T. Loop, and on the radio, I heard Amy Coney Barrett refer to the unlikely friendship between Ginsburg and Antonine Scalia. Maybe you heard this story of a time when Scalia brought RBG two dozen roses on her birthday. When one of Scalia's clerks asked him how he could do this in light of Ruth never giving him the vote he needed on a 5-4 case of any significance, Scalia replied, some things are more important than votes. Hmm. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to be bold. This congregation is bold. We must speak out for justice, especially for those who are poor, for persons of color, for all those left behind by the system. But nothing will be accomplished if we do so with hatred, and arrogance, and the inability to listen to one another. As Abraham Lincoln said in a, another very frightful time, in well-known words, we must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory will swell again when touched as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. I'm proud that Holy Trinity is a progressive congregation. And as progressives, we pride ourselves on being tolerant, on being open-minded, except for those who don't think like we do. Surely we need to witness in the public sphere, as I said, but when everything becomes politicized, even our faith, what happens to our country? Surely our hope as people of faith is in something more than politics alone. So as our country faces another bruising battle over a Supreme Court justice, as many wonder whether this election could break America, 
as we prepare to discuss the fair tax and other difficult issues, as we prepare to rally, to canvass, to protest, to vote, as we face weeks and months ahead that fill us with fear and anxiety, these words of Paul are not, are not easy to hear. Most of us would rather become more radicalized knowing we are right than heed Paul's words, be of one mind, empty yourself, look to the needs of others before your own. Well, there's a crisis of authority in today's gospel. Well, there's a crisis of authority in our country. In our gospel today, the religious authorities are baffled by the one called Jesus who has no patience for smooth-talking religion without deeds of mercy. The son held up in the parable is the one who first says no, but then changes his mind and goes to work in the vineyard. The one who had the humility to change his mind and do what was asked is the exemplary one. <laughs> and then Jesus gives a zinger. Jesus gives a zinger to all those whose minds are made up, the so-called religious authorities. Prostitutes and tax collectors, tax collectors, are in line before you. Now, if we were to make that up to date for our context, where we pretty much think alike, we would have to say, and it's hard to say, the people we deplore, the very people that yank our chain, the very people who seem so unworthy are in line before us. Not the powerful, not the rich, not the outspoken, but those who know their need of God. Now, oh my, if that doesn't make you want to fall on your knees and cry, Lord, have mercy, I don't know what will. Thomas Merton, one of my heroes, said, we must passionately confront injustice in ourselves. If we are open to the spirit, we have to, we have to claim our share for the divisiveness and hateful spewing across social media, in the press, at protests, among families. No wonder these words of Martin Luther King Jr. seem so right for us in the year 2000 as they did in the late 1960s. I want to be on your right or left side, not in terms of some political kingdom, not in terms of some ambition, but I want to be there in love, in justice, in truth, in commitment to others, so that we can make of this old world a new world. There's a story of a young Hasidic man who marries a woman whose family had assimilated, a Jewish woman, but their family had assimilated to the, to the surrounding culture, a different brand of Judaism, right? The marriage does not last, and the father-in-law throws the young man out. Now, since his strict religious community had rejected him because he married outside his people, he has nowhere to go, and he dies in a gutter. The next scene is the last judgment. The young man stands before the Messiah, and all the characters come to ask for judgment. 
Who is responsible for this young man's death? It seems like everyone's mind is closed. The father-in-law says, it's not my fault. I consulted with my rabbi. The rabbi says, it's not my fault. It's here in the law. The Messiah says, the father-in-law's right. The rabbi is right. The law is right. But I have come for those who are not right. And he gathers, he scoops up the young man in his arms and carries him into the kingdom. For us, Jesus is the one who comes to save us from ourselves, from our disdain for those on the other side that we believe are not right. Have this mind among yourselves, Paul writes. In other words, he says, put on the mind of Christ, the one who empties himself, humbles himself, who lived not for himself but the sake of others, those most in need, those hated, those left behind, even those who scorned and crucified him. The words fear and trembling come at the end of that reading from Philippians. With fear and trembling, trembling, as Paul writes, open your minds, open your hearts to this salvation. Walk forward in faith, not knowing what the next months will bring. For God comes near this day. For us, the rock that Moses strikes is Christ. The living water of baptism gushes forth. You are not alone. God's joy is complete, to tweak Paul just a bit. Christ empowers us to be of the same mind, to have the same love, to be of full accord. When all seems hopeless, remember the promise of baptism. A new day is dawning. Dear people of Holy Trinity, this leads to doxology, as it does every Sunday. This leads to thanksgiving, to praise. The one humbled is exalted. This Christ Jesus is our hope, our salvation, our freedom, our source of unity. With Paul, with the faithful of all ages, we confess him to be Lord, to the glory of God. On this, on this, the foundation of our faith, our mind is made up. Now may our hearts, may our hearts follow as well. Amen.